So, uh, one password. I want to start with the most irritating thing. The thing that's irritated you the most from the sounds of it all year, um, which I hope you're still reeling about. But yeah, tell me about it. Because I, I know very little apart from the um, the multiple uh, kind of uh, yeah, messages on Discord that popped up last night. So, yeah, talk to me about it. Yeah, so it came to our attention last night, thanks to... Um, was it J, J, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm probably butchering it, but it's like J, J, JKLOL101 or something. I, I think it's the username. I don't know their real name. But yeah, hello if you're listening. It uh, alerted us to the fact that the next version of 1Password, which is a hugely popular password manager, it's been around for years. And I've used it since it came out. Uh, when it first came out, it was a, like a Mac-only they were they started out it was a company called agile bits and um, a really nice bloke called dave tier um and they they delivered this password manager tool for mac that i think may have had a large part in kicks kickstarting the password manager trend it was it was a really hot popular app um which I'm sure will have inspired the many other options that you now have, your dash lanes and yeah. key pass and so on and so forth. But, um, yeah, so I've been using it for over a decade and I've paid for it every time they've issued an, a, an upgrade. And then in recent years, they moved to a subscription service. I guess that would be appealing to the enterprise market. I'm pretty sure they do sort of like an enterprise level password um, solution to, which would make sense. Mm. I think if you, because people do forget their passwords and particularly an enterprise where you're forced to change your password every 30 days, 60 days, whatever. And they make you do a combination of a capital letter. He's got to have at least one special character, all that kind of stuff, even though all of the security experts say, really, you just need three or four random words, yeah, and that's good enough. It's, it's the length of the password that makes it more secure, not all of that nonsense. Um, and in actual fact, when you prompt users, just as a behavioural thing, when you prompt users to continually change their password, they're going to write it down on a post-it note, or they're going to—they're just going to have, you know, their dog's name and then a number, or and an exclamation mark or something, and just change the number each time, and that sort of thing. It—it it, it kind of—it actually leads to poor pa- password hygiene when you continually make people um, change their password. Anyway. It's it's a thing you have to do it, and um, I can see why an enterprise level subscription service would work. But for me, I just you know I just use it to log into stuff now and again, and it, it it's kind of annoying. Um, I don't want to pay a five or a month to access the stuff that when it's got a perfectly decent syncing solution built in, so you can sync your vault. So. In in one password in one password terminology, your passwords and other data you can store um, addresses, uh, software licenses, uh, you know password. Oh, uh, not password. Uh, passport. You know, you could, you, it's not just for logging into websites. You can store um, you know, your server credentials and, and and various other stuff. So, I mean, it's it's just a really nice secure repository and i do trust their security they publish all sorts of white papers on password best practice and their you know the the links that they've gone to to make sure that their tool is completely secure and encrypted and all that kind of stuff so anyway it's been around for decades it started off as a mac tool it is i i i may be wrong but i'm pretty sure that many of the others have drawn inspiration from it because it was so wildly popular on the Mac that, that the copy, you know, people came along and copied it. The big news is that from the next version, although in recent years they've introduced a subscription model, it was optional. Hmm. So you could still sync your passwords between devices using some other method like iCloud, Dropbox, whatever. So, you know, I've got one password on my iPhone, on my iPad, on my Mac. And if I, you know, 
add or change a password on any of those devices, it will automatically sync to all of the other ones via iCloud. The next version isn't going to do that. There will be no local vaults. You have to use their subscription service, which means your vault is stored on their server, which I'm not concerned about from a security standpoint because I think they know what they're doing. The thing that has upset me and a lot of other long-time 1Password users is that instead of a native application, they have switched to uh, an Electron-based model. Just quickly, because uh, with Electron, I didn't know yeah. what Electron was until I met you. Okay. So just for the uninitiated, really, what, what is it? So, I mean, Electron is... Um, it's. It's, a, it's an open source framework that kind of uh, lets developers build a, a pseudo-native desktop app using uh, you know, sort of packaged web technologies. Mm. So it's bundles together like JavaScript, HTML, CSS, um, and then you know, renders your UI using the Chromium rendering engine, same as Chrome you know, and, and Edge and pretty much every browser other than Safari. Yeah. So you're probably already using several Electron apps you didn't know, but basically if if you look in your activity monitor and you see an app that is using at least half a gig of RAM, takes several seconds to load and looks identical to the website, um, it's probably an Electron app. So uh, Discord is an Electron app, for example. Uh, Slack is another one. Notion, in fact. You, you don't use the app, do you? You use the website. On Mac, I do, yeah. On Mac, I use the website. Uh, on iOS, I use an iPadOS. I use the, the native app, obviously, on there. But um, no, I, actually, no, that said, occasionally I open it. But I tend to use the, 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 the website, the web app more. Why is that? I'm curious. I don't know. I, I think... I think it probably is because I've experienced a few issues that I can't explain with the with the native in inverted commas um, Mac OS app for, for for Notion. I can't think what they were, but I just remember thinking back having a, a couple of issues. Whether whether it be just being too slow or yeah, perhaps not <clears throat> not working quite as intended. Uh, but for whatever reason, I went back to using the the web app mainly. Yeah. So there there are two schools of thought on Electron. Um, I actually think there are some really good examples of um, Electron apps. Like we're using one right now. Yeah. So Zoom is oh. an Electron app. Didn't know that. Um, I think. I might be wrong on that. I'm, I, I, at one point, I'm pretty sure that it was it was built using Electron. But after, yeah, I, I'm sure someone will correct me. Oh, on that someone will wrong, tell us categorically I'm, if you're wrong. <laughs> I'm pretty. I just I've got a a really strong memory that at some point I, I read that it was built on Electron. Um, but like VS Code is a really great code editor, and that's built on on uh, on Electron. And Teams, in fact, Teams is built on Electron. That surprised so, me, actually, because I, I quite like Teams. It would probably shoot me now and disappear from this call, but I quite like Teams on the Mac. It seems to run fine. I've never had any issues with it. It's more the resource usage. So I think you'll probably find when you're, if you've had a, a Teams-heavy day and you're out and about on your MacBook Air, it will cane your battery. Yeah. There is no, it's a notorious RAM and battery hog. Um, and in actual fact, from, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do for cross-platform stuff ongoing, but certainly from Windows 11, Teams is actually moving away from Electron into uh Microsoft's own version of Electron, essentially. So they're going to uh, switch to Edge WebView 2 for, in Windows 11. So that new Teams app that you may have seen screenshots or sort of video clips of, is actually they've, they've completely uh, reworked everything under the hood. So you know, rather than using Angular as, as it used to, it'll use uh, React.js. It, they've just um, they've re-engineered it. It should be much more efficient, much less, you know, bloated and stuff so yeah there, I mean, there, there are two schools of thought on electron one is that it's a really you know tried and tested you know easy way to deliver a desktop like experience for your predominantly web based backend and deploy it to windows mac os linux you know, to multiple platforms really easily um, and then the other school of thought is that it's lazy 
and that users don't like it, or at least you know users that care about this stuff don't like it because of the fact that with every electron app you've got the whole electron framework embedded in it so the you know the file itself is big it uses a lot of system resources so so if you if you fire up slack and discord and teams and notion and so on and so forth you're gonna have a bad time yeah it's all right if you just use one or two at a time but well the 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 performance of electron particularly on m1 isn't brilliant either so if you i don't know if you ever tried if you if you open the the official discord app on one side and then open discord in safari and then a b them and you'll be amazed at a how much better it looks in safari it just there's a fonts and stuff render strangely in electron apps and anything circular tends to go a bit weird as well i don't know if you've noticed that so like the emojis are strange it might not be so apparent on a high resolution Hmm. screen if you've got a high dpi screen but i mean i've got an ultra wide that's 1440p and circular things are not circular um and yeah the the font rendering is pretty bad but also the the speed and responsiveness so flipping between channels scrolling is massively faster and smoother and more um responsive um in safari which uses webkit as its rendering engine not chromium so all this to say, I, I, I've, I've generally got a bee in my bonnet about Electron apps, but I'm particularly upset that 1Password is adopting this because the, one of the best things about 1Password is it's really lean, fast, native application. Yeah, or was. And for that sort of use case where, you know, several times a day you just want to nip in, get what you need, get out again, you don't want something that's built on a bloated one size fits all framework i don't think i mean there are there are various other password managers that are built on electron um i forget which ones but uh and people don't seem to mind but i do and i'm it seems that i'm not alone Mm. so there's a there's actually a a, today there is a reddit ama with the one password team which might be worth getting some popcorn and uh and checking out, seeing how that unfolds, because <laughs> there's going to there's gonna be some fruity conversation going on there, I think. It leads me to wonder why they've done it. I mean, obviously, there'll, there'll be efficiency benefits from a development standpoint, because they'll have one thing that they can deploy everywhere. And that, you know, that makes sense. Um, and I guess in terms of long-term sustainability, they're willing to sacrifice those long-term users who've bought it outright year after year. Or actually, I mean, sometimes they've gone as long as three years without an update. But I have bought versions one through seven over the last 10, 15 years, um, every time. And uh, whenever anyone asks about, well, what password manager should I use? It's just one part. It's kind of, it's, for me, it's just, it. I haven't even looked considered anything else because I, I i know it and i trust it and they've they've always been good so they've they've uh i believe they um they took a a, a lot of venture capitalist um i th- money and i that's probably got a large part yeah. to do with it they've, they've lost that indie thing that was quite appealing about them for so that that's I, I think it's because I kind of held them up there in as high regard as Panic, who are another long-time yeah. um, Mac indie, just they're a cool company. I think one password over the last few years with really forcing people into their, or, you know, nudging people and now forcing people into their subscription model and doing away with their their lightweight native apps and moving to this frankly you know, lazier electron solution um they, they, yeah they've lost they've lost their call yeah I, I, you've probably summed up what it is though if, if they've got that if they've got investors breathing down the necks now they're going to be looking for shortcuts ways to make more money ways to be more profitable lean pro all the all the normal stuff that happens when when that kind of thing when you start getting to the point where you're attracting investors which i i mean i, I don't know enough about panic in terms of what how they're funded or what have you. But um, I get the impression that they're probably not in the same league as that, which is a great thing, really. Um, but clearly 1Password. I know 1Password also have some pretty big sponsorships they, they have as well. So 
they've got some money behind them, but with money become, comes a lot of responsibility for pleasing the people who are giving you that money, I suppose. And maybe this is just a, like you say, perhaps it's just a, a kind of reflection of that. Um, uh, the only question I have really, I think we've, we've spoken about this before because uh, as you know, I, I only use, um, I, I, I have used one password to be fair. I've used that a long time ago. Um, again, I, the, the reason I always go back to keychain is it's just, it's just there and it's, there's so little, um, there's just no barriers to entry really. If, it, if you're a Mac user and if you're an Apple, if you're completely within the Apple ecosystem, which you pretty much are, aren't you? Uh, so What's the reason for not? I suppose you might be never. What's the reason for not going to Keychain? Uh, well, first of all, you can only store passwords in Keychain, so one one password stores a whole bunch of other stuff. Like mm. I say, you know, so it's got loads and loads of of you know really sensitive information in there. So you know, it's got my you know national insurance number. Yep. Um, it's got my pass passport details in there. It's got you know. A, copy of the deeds to my house it's it's got it's got everything uh if it's in it's my it's my my digital important stuff database yeah um that i you know i've entrusted for many years and i i'm sad that i'm gonna have to move it elsewhere yeah um i mean for, for i've tried it out so i've tried this new this new electron thing i, I as soon as i found out about it there's a beta version and i installed it and it works fine. I mean, it's 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 all right, uh, except for the fact that the native app uses like fifty megs of RAM, and before you even logged into the new one, it's up to three hundred megs of RAM usage. <laughs> then you log in, and it gets up to you know four hundred plus. And if you look at the, bat- the 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 power usage, so obviously I've I've have one password seven, which is the latest you know, full version They've, um, because eight hasn't been released yet. And that is on all day. It's sitting there up in the in the menu bar, and it's just there the whole the whole time. And you know the twelve hour power usage is so low that it was it registered it was registering zero. The electron one, the the i i the one password eight electron. And in fairness, it's a beta version. They may do something to tidy this up, but it's pretty much par for the course. For you know, it's not it's completely in line with every other electron app. You know, it was using you know, a large yeah. amount of power after five minutes. So, yeah, I, I think it would be bad for battery life. And um, it, if you already use some Electron apps, like, you know, which, of which we've covered, there are yeah, some really yeah. popular ones, and you're, or you're on a mobile machine, then RIP your battery, frankly. Yeah. It's it's just bad timing with the with the M1, isn't it, and everything, really. Um, oh, although I... I didn't fully answer your question though did i so the reason i don't yeah. i haven't historically used keychain um is because when i started using one password keychain was pretty bad and so it's you know it's come on in leaps and bounds and now these days it's so convenient you can authenticate using your apple watch using you know face id touch id whatever um it uh it's kind of become seamless and with the the, the upcoming changes in keychain i was seriously considering you know giving it a Mm. a better look anyway I mean, as it happens the one password have just forced my hand in that respect and i'm going to have to do that well i don't have to i could stop being a a, a a grumpy old man and just get with the times and deal with it i don't want to do that i've, I've, you know, I've got a i have a, a I'm, I'm opposed to it in principle so i don't like the fact that i can't store my data encrypted locally and that i have to use their cloud i don't like the subscription model mm. and i don't like their software choice, you know, their their, their architecture choice. So there's, there's the, on all all levels, I've I've got to vote with my feet. I'm yeah. afraid. Sorry, um, Dave Tear and Co. I've 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 been a massive fan and admirer of your work ever since you started. But no, I'm 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 done. I'm out. That's a shame. Isn't it? I don't think you'll be alone either. From the sounds of it, if if that um, the noise keeps getting getting louder, but they probably won't do anything about it. This is what they're like. Like we say, they're. Um, They've got people that they're answering to now, I suppose. And these things happen, don't they? It is sad, though. It's definitely sad. Um, I mean, talking of feeling sad, there's something that's made me sad this week, which is the right. the, the uh, Microsoft Surface Laptop 4. Not the laptop itself. I know I made a video about this um, on, on Tuesday, but I actually really like it. I've got it here. 
it's it's great. I'm I'm really impressed with it. Um, it's got some quirks and things. I'm I'm going to do a proper review of it. But the one, the whole point of getting this was to use it day in day out for as much as I could. Apart from video editing, I'm not at the moment. I'm not willing to invest time in. Um, you know, moving video editing across to Windows. It's quite a big lift for that, for me for that. But for everything else, in my mind, I should be able to pick that laptop up and, and do stuff like writing and all the normal stuff that gets me through the day. Um, I can, apart from writing, because as you know, as we've been talking over the last couple of days, for love nor money, I cannot find a writing app on Windows that is anywhere near as good as Ulysses. And I don't think my requirements are that that ridiculous or that unreasonable other people may think differently but you know i, I want a writing app that is has the kind of, kind of distraction free type thing where there's no where it's not microsoft word basically um integration with wordpress is really important vital actually um easy markdown support for idiots like me um what else that's, that's pretty much it and also syncing ideally between devices etc um and things like folder management in terms of being able to organise your um, yeah, your documents and stuff within the, within the app. Just can't find anything like that at all. That there's apps that do various you know elements of that of that stuff, but nothing that does it in one package like Ulysses does. The only thing that does, I think, is, is Scrivener. And I was a Scrivener user for for years actually before I discovered Ulysses. Um, and I don't really want to go back there because it's a bit clunky. I'm not writing a a movie script um, or a, a trying to write a best-selling novel. Um, I just want this tool, which, like I say, Ulysses is just fantastic for. And what's interesting, when you do this research, when you try and look for something on Windows, you keep coming back to the conclusion that you should have bought a Mac because it clearly every <laughs> every list of reviews for you know the top 10 best you know, writing apps or alternatives to Word at least eight or nine of them are Mac only, and they all look brilliant. Yeah, they're all because Ulysses has got some really good competition on the Mac as well. Um, and then you get apps like IA Writer, which is on both platforms, but it's weirdly hampered in, in on Windows. They, they don't seem to have put as much effort into it. So that's been really annoying because it means I can't use this laptop for the one very big part of this business, which is is the blog side of it. And um, it's, it's just annoyed me. <laughs> Because the rest of the laptop is fine. It does everything else, I think, pretty well. There are some, like I say, some quirks and stuff. But um, yeah, it's been it's been a real disappointment for me. Maybe that's why I'm a Mac user. Maybe that's why I have 8,000 Macs and uh, tend to stick with that. I don't know. Even you tried wow. to help me, Robin. You normally find stuff for me. You know, you, you help me find my AirTag, um, various other things that you've helped me find. But you, I think, you know, you, you came up with a couple of potential solutions, but even they weren't weren't quite right. Yeah, no, I've I've had another look since I've yeah I've made a, a genuine effort to try and find a Windows writing tool that has the distraction-free mode that integrates with WordPress that has some sort of you know file or structural you know structure hmm. management, um, and yeah you know it doesn't doesn't seem to exist. Does yeah. it? It's quite odd. I mean, there are some really excellent Markdown editors, but they're more with a developer focus. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a maybe. It is a bit of an odd thing that I'm looking for. I don't know because even though the, the, you know, the developers behind Ulysses have kind of got it, um, maybe it's a bit unusual. I don't know. And I suppose I am victim to my own sort of processes, really, where because I, I you know, I, I publish articles every day. Um, thinking of this side of the business. Um, I've got into a very, very sort of strict writing routine with that, the way that I write it, the way I publish it. And it, and, and coming out of that will, will add quite a lot of time onto the process. You know, the, the idea of having to write a blog in a in something separately and then copying and pasting it or doing something manual to get it into WordPress, formatting it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and also the whole, the, 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 the kind of file management part of it is very important as well because I combine the stuff that I do for this, uh, for, you know, for the reviews um, brand with my other work as well. And it's important that I can find things quickly. So I'm, like I said, I'm a bit of a victim of trying to be too organised, I suppose. But um, you, you'll know this as, as well. Anyone who, who kind of develops their own processes, once they start working, it's a bit like you with 1Password, actually. You don't want to break away from it <clears throat> at all, no, even if there is something better out there. But that's the point with this. There doesn't even seem to be anything better to tempt me into a different way of working with Windows and, and writing. So, yeah, it's just frustrating, really. 
don't know what the answer is. So if you're listening to this and you've you you know, you've got an answer to this, let let me know, please. There's a, it's a similar story on um, Chrome OS as well, isn't it? Apparently, the uh, I don't know the IA writer port to uh, Chrome OS because oh who, who was it? Craig Craig MC nineteen seventy. Yes, he's on the Discord. And he, well, did you see his announcement? He's got some good news. He's been recognised by Medium. They, uh, they've, you know, hit one of his art, one of his um, articles has been, you know, recognised and has made it into debugger. Oh, fantastic! No, I didn't see that. That's that's really good news. We'll have to which, link to that actually in the in the show notes. Which is uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so yeah, so he's he's got a he's got a Chromebook. Um, you know, one of the fancy ones, not the, not the toys, with the proper ones. And he says, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lovely machine to, to, to type on, mm. but getting my writing into Medium from the device, and and he's got the same problem that you have. Which is, I don't want to be copying and pasting and all of this sort of nonsense. Um, um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it is that I, that that Mac has all the best writing stuff and everywhere else is falling short. And it's partly annoying because I don't know if you agree, I don't think you agree with me on this, but the, the keyboard experience on this Surface laptop, I've used this now for, how long is it? A couple of weeks now. Um, I'm pretty convinced this is the best laptop keyboard I've used. And I think part of that is because it's not very well made because <laughs> it okay. bounces in the middle. I think you pointed this out originally. Um, and when I got it, I realised exactly what you were talking about. So there's, there's noticeable flex in the middle of the keyboard. Um, but for some reason, I think that kind of aids the typing experience. Yeah, well, you said that in your article. So yeah, yeah. You, wrote, you wrote about uh, the, like your first four observations, four or five yeah. things that you noticed, your first impressions of the Surface Laptop for. And yeah, I'm surprised that someone who is as picky about <laughs> keyboards as you are with your you know stack of mechanical... Um, <laughs> keyboards and so forth uh i'm surprised that uh, that is the best keyboard laptop keyboard you've typed on i think it is i mean maybe uh, maybe i need a bit longer to to kind of round on that but now if i go back to the m1 macbook air yeah, whose keyboard is a massive improvement on the butterfly that is now feeling a little bit a little bit not not as good you know in terms of the travel and stuff like that um but no i, I love the keyboard on this surface um i've, I've also got the, the alcantara um cover which i know is going to get grubby and horrendous within the next few weeks uh, but that's quite nice as well to rest your palms on so it's it's a really interesting laptop i think i think it's fascinating um it just randomly shut itself down without uh, sort of warning me I when i just open the lid then um quite often when i do that it will be rebooting itself even though i've just put it to sleep i don't know if you've ever had that with windows but um of course I have. That's, that's how Windows works, isn't it? See, I forgot this. I've not used Windows for so long. I'd forgot it does all these weird things. But yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll keep using it and see how we get on, basically. I um, mean, to, to, to be fair, it's, it's not like Mac OS doesn't fall over oh, as God, well. No. It, just does, it just does it less frequently. So, you know, you'll get a kernel panic from time to time. Or, you know, yeah, it, it, it does happen where you, you'll go to go into your machine and you'll be, well, hang on, why isn't it picking up where I left off? And then you get the, oh, something happened. Well, funnily you enough, know. I'm having horrendous problems with my Mac Mini at the moment. I've not mentioned this yet because I've just been trying to work out what's going on. But um, you can probably see it. It's now been moved from its kind of enclosed, encased um position that it had beneath that monitor stand where I, I gave it no room to breathe at all um, I think that might have been causing issues potentially although not not convinced at the moment but um th the problems I'm having and I've, I've mentioned this on Twitter and a few other people have, have picked up on it and, uh, and had similar things is um, I think it's related to Final Cut where if I um, leave Final Cut to, to render a video and come back the entire machine is crawling at a snail's pace to the point where you try and quit, uh, force quit Final Cut Pro, gets you gets you out of that eventually, but then it reboots, it almost immediately takes you back to the login screen. You get back in, everything's fine. Um, it always seems to be when I've left Final Cut Pro on it to its own devices for a while, it seems to completely um, destroy the computer. Really strange. It's only just started happening. I can't really pinpoint what's changed you know there's, there's not been a, a final cut update to my knowledge uh, in fact i know there hasn't been um i haven't you know i've been using the same camera footage now for, for several weeks now so it can't be that really odd 
That is odd. Mm. Has there been a recent uh, Mac OS update, maybe, that's possibly? Possibly. I mean, that sounds like a memory leak to me. If you go into Activity Monitor and you check the memory usage, is is it using a... An unusually high amount of RAM, even though it's not doing anything. I haven't checked that because I've been getting so angry with it to the point where, <laughs> where you can't even open Activity Monitor because it just it completely dies, basically. Um, and all I want to do is get back to what I was doing. So I'll, I'll do that next time and see what the what the score is. But yeah, it's just I mean that's just yeah. an example of where Windows and macOS are <laughs> very similar. They can be very frustrating. Yeah. Well, so I don't I don't think it's a heat issue because I keep mine in a drawer. So I've got like a, an IKEA desk pedestal with six drawers yeah i think it's called an alex or something and i i drilled uh a hole in the back badly with a hole saw mm. um and all i could well you've seen my the picture of my desk i like to keep everything you know nice and clean so yeah i, I try and keep everything out of sight and yeah so the mac mini actually lives in a drawer and all the cables go out through the back of mm. the the drawer unit and I've never had any issues with heat. I mean, it's probably a terrible thing to do to it, but it, it, it the fans never spin up. It does. I don't think it gets hot enough to be a problem. No, I think you're right. I've never, I've still never heard the fans of mine. So, um, I have heard the fans quite a lot on this Surface laptop. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah, it's very strange. Um, How's the battery life on it? It's not bad actually. I, I need to spend longer with it, but it's it's no way near the the MacBook Air. Um, but it's not as bad as some people have suggested it, it might be. Uh, I've had quite a few comments on the the, um, the video I put out on Tuesday from people saying, oh, just, just make sure you're sat near a, a charger at all times and all this sort of stuff. And I haven't really experienced that. It's um, it's pretty good. I need to do a bit more testing, but um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the, the two most annoying things about the Surface Laptop for me are, well, I mean, apart from the flexi keyboard, which I, I can't get on with at mm. all, I, I, like, I need a nice solid base. But I, yeah, I, I, I don't know how your typing style, but I'm a, I'm a real angry typist. <laughs> I can be. Um, it doesn't have Thunderbolt, does it? It's got a USB-C socket, but it doesn't, doesn't have Thunderbolt. Or at least, I know the three certainly didn't, but the fours. I think you're right. New, I'll double it? check, but I, I don't think it has, no. I don't. Yes, I don't think it's got that. And then you've got that—that's proprietary Surface slot, which should have been an SD card slot. Shouldn't I it? thought it was when, when I when I first was looking at these. I thought, oh wow, it's got an SD card. I won't ever use it, but um, but it's not. <laughs> like you say, yeah. it's this weird kind of MagSafe style um, charging port, which is huge. It's massive. Very weird, but but you can charge it via USB C. So I've I've not been using that at all. Um, yeah, that just sits in my bag. So, I just I would, I would have rather seen an SD card slot there personally. Yeah, that would be nice. I wonder how many other people have been caught out by that trying to jam their SD cards <laughs> in the the Surface slot. What's this official name? I don't even know. Let's I can't call remember. it. I like the Surface slot. Let's call it that. <laughs> that might be a show title. <laughs> Um, moving on to something completely different, I'm just looking at our list here because obviously we don't have any uh, Apple news to talk about at the minute. Um, very quickly, my he- new headphone rig. Um, I think you'd put this on the list actually, uh, but uh, I suppose a very quick overview of what I've done. I am in, kind of working on a bit of an update to my um, Apple Music lossless stuff, uh, you know, kind of advice and experiences with it. And um, because of that, I've been kind of getting a few new amps in headphone amps and stuff and just some different cans just to try out really partly because i'm new to the audio file game as well so it's a bit of a test for me it's a bit of a chance to try out different types of headphones and amp and dac combinations and that sort of stuff so uh, jds uh, labs very kindly sent me a separate amp and dac combo um, which is their atom i think it's called um that's been really interesting, actually, because comparing that combo against the iFi Zen DAC, which is the, the integrated headphone and amp, uh, sorry, headphone amp and DAC um, that I've been using before that, um, the, the JDS stuff sounds, it's, it's, it's definitely brighter, more detail, but quite a lot less uh, bottom end. And I like my bottom end, and that's, I keep going back to the iFi for that, which is interesting. I thought, I don't know if that's just a... Yeah, a kind of quirk of the JDS stuff, but uh, but it's like I say, it's definitely more detailed. Um, and I also bought a pair of the Prestige uh, SR80 Grado headphones, which are fantastic. I find these headphones fascinating because they're kind of the on-ear for people that know that they're, they're on-ear headphones. They sit directly on your ears rather than um, kind of going around them. And 
Um, because of that, I've always thought headphones like that feel a bit cheap. They feel like the kind of you know, 10 quid headphones you used to use at school and stuff. Um, and they do feel a bit like that when you've got them on your head. But as soon as you start listening to stuff, um, they're just superb. Have you ever, have you yeah, ever I, tried a pair yourself? I haven't. I've only ever heard good things about them. And I like, I like the retro look. I like that yeah. they look like they're from the 60s. Yeah, yeah. They've also got the nicest cable, nicest headphone cable I've ever seen, I think, really. Um, they're lovely, really, really nice, and very nice packaged, and you, can, yeah, you get a little welcome note from the founders and stuff, so it's, um, it's just a nice experience. Yeah. No, so I, mean, I think the reason I put it on the list is because it's, uh, it's been lurking in the background of, of your videos. You can, you know, in your B-roll, you can see it in the background, and it's not been mentioned to date, so that's why I brought it up. Yeah, well, there's two reasons for that. So one of them is the fact that... Um, I need more time to spend with Apple Music and to listen to it. And you probably know yourself. It's you need to find a kind of half a day where you can just sit down and listen to music and switch between devices and stuff. I've not really had that yet, so that's one of the reasons. The other reason is I've been wanting to getting. I've wanted to get in a very expensive um, amp slash DAC to to kind of compare that against these because the stuff that I've got on the desk at the minute is. It's not low end, but it's, you know, I think the iFi Zendac's about 150 quid or something. They're not very expensive. If, you, if you're looking to get into a, you know, a decent pair of um, headphones and an amp to go with them, you haven't got to spend too much money on this stuff. So I just wanted to kind of compare it against, against something much better. And the good news is I do have something on the way, which I haven't bought. It's being sent to me as a, as a loan unit, um, which I'll reveal when it arrives. But it's it's about three and a half grand's worth of headphone DAC and amp. Um, so I'm really looking forward. Okay. Yeah. Um, when I asked for the for this review unit, because you, you never know what response you're going to get, and when I asked for this one, uh, they were like, "Yeah, all right, we'll just we'll, we'll dig one out and send it across to you." So it's not arrived yet, so it remains to be seen if it actually turns up. But um, if it does, that's going to be fascinating, I think. Um, partly because I'm not a professional audiophile, um, so it'd be interesting to get a kind of regular, I suppose, consumer's idea of how this stuff sounds. So um, that's partly the reason. So uh, hopefully by the end of this month or maybe start of September, we'll have something on the channel about it. MagSafe battery pack. Now, obviously when we last spoke, uh, you hadn't, you didn't have one at that point, but you did tell us about this really cool little discovery that, that I think originally came from iMore and then um, mandatory field on the discord server kind of revealed it. And uh, you've, you've made, you've, you've gone did ahead. Did we share the link? In the notes last time, I think we, we probably did. should have done. Did we? Well, I think we did. I'll if we didn't, we'll put it in this one. Yeah, definitely. But um, but you have actually you've you've done it. You've actually got your little makeshift um, MagSafe battery charger thing, haven't you? Yeah, I got I got one because uh, you know I've had this lightning dock knocking about the old classic. I don't even know when I bought it, but it's just been knocking around in a drawer for five yeah. years, and I was like, well. Let's give that a go. I, ba- I only use MagSafe now, basically. Yeah. All other charging methods are dead to me. If, it, if, it, if, it, if I can't just you know, throw the device in the general direction of the charger and have it stick, I'm not interested anymore. What about USB-C? Oh, and USB-C. Yeah, then that's, okay. that's fine for, for, for bigger things, like okay. for you know, laptops and tablets. But the phone, I've got a MagSafe, a Belkin MagSafe tree next to my bed. So that's where all my watch... AirPods Pro and phone go. And on my desk, I've got uh, a stouchy weighted aluminium stand and the official Apple MagSafe Pup. And that's got a silicone base so it doesn't move. So it's really nice. It's really solid. Um, and my issue with it was simply that because the, f- the phone sits pretty much flat on it, you've got the whole, you've got, you know, the, the length of the phone is, is, is taking up space so you yeah. imagine that that the footprint is effectively the the circumference of the length of the phone if you were to spin it around because you, you don't you don't know which way around the phone's going to go necessarily and it, it just it takes up more space than than i would like it's such a first world problem but that's how it is so what i thought was because you can you can attach your magsafe battery pack to the stand and then it's upright. Hmm. And you've still got the MagSafe goodness. So this is it. This is going to be of no interest to people <laughs> listening at home. But uh, It's not really audio friendly, is it? It's not really audio friendly. But, uh, well, I mean, if, you, if you're familiar with the iPhone lightning dock and you know how an iPhone sits on it, well, the MagSafe battery pack sits on it just like that. And it's, it's a little bit rickety, 
but then so was the phone. And then, you know, it, it's perfectly magnetic enough that it sits there nicely. Yeah. That's good. It looks, it looks like it was designed to work with that. Which is weird because yeah. you can't get them anymore. But no. maybe they'll reintroduce them. I don't know. Perhaps they will. So, um, so the the issue is that I've become accustomed to one handed pickup because both the Belkin tree that I have and this weighted stouchy stand with the silicone bottom, they stay put, yeah. and so you can just reach and you can pick up. The trouble with this is that it it you, it's quite easy to pick up the thing. Mm. You know, it's quite easy to detach the battery pack from the stand, or it's quite easy to just pick up the whole assembly <laughs> and take that with you. Yeah, so you just need to, you know, sort yeah. of prise it off a little bit with your fingers like that. So it's just a slightly different movement, but it's that's it's that it's just slightly less convenient. This is probably than, why than Apple other. haven't made it officially. Maybe, possibly. But, um, I like it though. Have you taken the MagSafe battery out and used it in the wild? Is it? Have you actually used I, it for the intended use? I have. What do you think? I really like it. So I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind the. I mean, I've got ET fingers, so you know, I, I'm not. It doesn't seem to affect my my reachability. Um, I don't mind the weight. I think it's quite a you know a, a nice palmable size. So I think they've I think they've nailed it. I think they've got the dimensions right. I think they've got the weight right. What I didn't like at first, and I don't know whether this will come out on the mic, is this click. That sounds nice. That. It sounds nicer on the mic actually than it does in person because I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So that click. So when I didn't like that because I had my phone face down and I was placing the battery pack on top of it like that. Hmm. I don't think that's what the click's for. <laughs> The click is for this way when you can't see it. So, so you're looking at your phone, and then you slide the phone where you can't. So if you're going like that, well, then you, yep. you you know where it's going. But when you do it like this, it feels like that it's clicking into place. Yeah. It's a really nice sensation. So I think they put some effort into that. Yeah. Whereas initially I thought, oh, that that sounds horrible. I yeah, because I I was I didn't I was doing it wrong basically. Yeah. If you if you get your phone if you're looking at your phone and you try and apply the battery pack but from behind yep. then it feels like it's clicking into place there's actually a really satisfying experience so potentially you were attaching it wrong that's what steve jobs was yeah saying. <laughs> no but i actually was though i don't I, I was trying to drop the battery pack onto the back of the phone like that and then going well why is that clicking that doesn't make any make sense, sense yeah. but when you know actually doing it that this way then it, it's actually it's really nice so i'm a fan long story short it's it's a hundred quid Yep. That's too much money for a battery pack. However, the fact that it also operates as a MagSafe puck, which would cost you 40 quid anyway. You know, so if you wanted a, a, a MagSafe puck and a battery, you'd be paying 60, 70, 80 quid. And That's so you're true. paying 20 quid, I, the way I see it, you're paying 20 quid Apple tax for the for, for having the Apple logo on it. I'll tell you what I don't like about this is the uh, the sort of, I mean, it's not pearlescent finish, but it's, it's a strange mm. matte finish on the plastic it kind of feels cheaper than normal apple plastics it's not like the white macbook polycarbonate days of yore is it it's not it's a, but it is a bit I don't, know if it, I don't know if it's the same stuff but it's like the um the magic keyboard case it's a little bit like that material which i've always hated um although it's less of an issue i've got the white one now for the for the air for the for the ipad air and um oh, yeah. it's less of an issue with that is that now it, actually it's not no it's <laughs> the moment Let's have a quick look. No, it's fine. I've I've put it on all sorts of horrible tables out out and about in the wild. But um, yeah, it's looking it's not looking too bad. But that one, the white one, the white magic keyboard doesn't feel quite as bad. But the, for some reason, the darker version, I hate it. I hate the the feel of it. And I don't, I think the magic sorry, I think the um the MagSafe battery pack is a similar type of um material. I think. I'm not sure what they're using. Oh, it has no. You're right. I'm just picking mine up. It has, it's got that same. Uh, it's got that same texture, isn't it? Yeah. They, they, I don't think Apple's ever revealed what it is. Um, it's some sort of silicon stuff, isn't it? But it's not very nice. Um, I, I still reserve judgment on that on that battery pack because I've not really used, I've not had to use it for what it's intended for really, and I haven't done what you've done with it, you know, using it as this kind of vertical charging puck. Um, but my, yeah. my issue with it was is that I've got other battery packs, and they, you know, some of them have got power delivery, USB C, yada yada yada. They're no good if you don't remember to charge them. 
<laughs> and I don't. That's the problem. So I, I'll go and I'll grab one, I'll throw it in my bag, and then I'll go and try and use it while I'm out and about. And it's like, oh, I don't, I'm charged, have I? Yeah. Whereas this, because it's live, it, because it lives on my desk all the time, it's always charged. So yeah, that's no, the secret, really nice. isn't it? I've just I, I've left mine charging all the time by the bedside, basically. But it's not. I've not removed it from there since. It's just been there. But um, maybe I'll have reason to do it soon. Take it out and actually give it a proper test. Um. Right, we're getting towards the end of our list. And the last thing on the list is something, is a new feature, which is the um, Discord Q&A, which uh, we won't go into the problems that we had with it yesterday when we tried to set this up. Um, if, you're, if you're on the Discord server, you know the problems we had, which weren't very nice. Um, but there you go, certain people in the world. Um, but we do now have a list of questions from the Discord server. Um, if you're not on the Discord server, it's a good reason to join it. Um, equally, I suppose we could have also opened this out to, to Twitter or something at some point, but uh, we thought we'd give the Discord dudes a bit of a chance to ask us anything, basically. Now, I've not looked at the questions. I don't think you have either. Are you ready? Should we just go through them? So this is a live... I don't, I don't think I have access to them, do I? Don't you worry. Guys, I'm, got, there's I'm a link on the Notion. Right yeah, that's that the wrong one. That goes to a Googly Doc rather than the, the Googly Form responses. Yeah, that was the wrong one. So I'll just ask them, basically. I think we'll both... We'll both answer. So it's going to be, right. be a surprise for I'm just going to have to trust that you're not stitching me up. <laughs> just making them up. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've got seven genuine questions, and we'll, we'll give a, a shout-out, as they say, to each person that's um, asked. So uh, cracking on with it straight away. So this one is from Jamhead, and he says, um, how much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? He's done that to make me say that, hasn't he, without screwing he it up? He has. I, oh, I but, imagine he's, ho he's hoping for a Monkey Island reference as you, well. That's a, oh, great shout. Great shout. Um, but then you just say, okay, serious question. Uh, what made you both get into technology? Was it simply for work slash jobs or was it down to interest? Um, well, I don't make any money out of being interested in tech. So it's just been a lifelong hobby starting with, uh, you know, ZX Spectrums way back in the 80s. And so, yes, yeah, so I worked my way through all of the computer. I've just... So my, my dad, he's retired now, but he was a computer programmer, so he was always bringing home new gadgets. So that's where I get it from. But no, no, it's just a, an amateur hobbyist, enthusiast thing. I mean, obviously, I use a PC for my day job. But, uh, but yeah, so I just went through, uh, like, you know, Commodore 64, yeah. Atari ST, various PCs. And then now I'm in, I'm in Mac land, Apple land. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's... Uh, how about you? Similar for me, really. I think, yeah, I can't pinpoint the first time I got interested in technology, but I was very young. I was a little kid, basically. I think it wasn't so much my dad. It was more uh, two of my uncles who were both very sort of into tech. When, whenever we used to go around to their houses, they'd always have a new computer or um, some sort of you know, gaming system. And, and that that's, I think, they influenced me quite heavily with that. Um, and then just my mates, they were the same, really. It was either football or computer games and... Um, or building PCs. Or football, football computer games. Or football com soccer. Swass, yeah, we have to give a little <laughs> mention to Sensible World of Soccer, absolutely. Um, God, the number of hours I lost, lost in my life playing that. Uh, have, you, have you downloaded uh, Sociable Soccer? No, I Apple haven't. Apple TV yet? No, I have, I have bookmarked it. I'm going to so, get some just time. Just for there. anyone that doesn't know, so John Hare, the original developer from Sensible, who was responsible for classics like Sensible World of Soccer and Cannon Fodder and... Megalomania. Did you ever play Megalomania? Briefly. Cannon fodder I absolutely loved. Yeah. But um, yeah, Megalomania, I think I've I tried a couple of times, I think. Yeah, so it was a similar kind of thing with the, the tiny little, like, two pixel high sprites. Uh, so yeah, um, so I've derailed the conversation. No, don't worry, no, no, just, um, <laughs> hopefully people enjoy these little whimsical journeys into the past. <laughs> At least we're not talking about Argos this time, that's, that's one thing. Right, so uh, next one is from Andy, our um, fellow moderator, Andy. If you guys need an icebreaker question, is it a hot dog or a sandwich? What? What does he mean by that? <laughs> Andy, what do is you a, mean? Is a hot dog a sandwich? If you guys need an icebreaker question, is a hot... Oh, sorry, is a hot dog a sandwich? That's my fault for reading it out badly. Or, it says, if you guys are feeling adventurous, is a hot dog a taco? Why or why not? So is, is a hot dog a sandwich? And um, calling you Andy. Rob. I don't... I don't think it is. I think I would categorise it. I think it deserves its own category because i mean a sandwich in my opinion should have some filling contained within two slices of bread two distinct pieces of bread yeah 
totally agree. Whereas a hot dog is kind of self-contained, isn't it? So the hot dog goes into the bun. And there's not really much else you can use a hot dog bun for. It kind of is a single-purpose bread product. There probably are opinion. things you can do with hot dog buns, but nothing I'd be up for. Um, no, you could put a, like a fish finger in there or something, I suppose. God, that's, that's, that is adventurous. No, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I think hot dogs are, are a thing unto themselves. I, I, don't, I don't really think they can be labelled a, a sandwich. Because you'd never accidentally say, can I have a sandwich, when you mean a hot dog, would you? You'd, you'd be very specific about the hot dog. Mm. And the taco thing, that's... Yeah, a, a taco's a taco, a hot dog's a hot dog, I'm afraid, Andy. I don't, do you agree? Well, that, that, well, that's that's my... It, it doesn't fit my definition of a sandwich because a taco is a a wrap, isn't it? So again, you've got a single circular bread product yeah. into which you put filling and then you, you you fold it up. So yeah, I think I think by... Um, and this is, I don't know, I'm not a sandwich expert, but I, I reckon that a sandwich needs to have two or more distinct pieces of bread. Otherwise, it's not a sandwich. I agree. And, and it, to be honest, if that's Andy's icebreaker question at dinner parties, I'm not inviting him. On to the next uh, one. This is from, so this is from Nick, who is otherwise known as CDN student. And he says, uh, what is your favourite episode of Red Dwarf? That's his first question. This is such a hard question, this is. That's a hard question. Um, I'll go first, actually, because I think, again, they're all brilliant, but I think the one that immediately springs to mind, and this might be a bit of an obvious choice, potentially, something which, um, I don't know, but I don't care. Um, It's Marooned, which is the one where Lister and Rimmer get stranded in Starbug, and they end up having to um, light a fire. And what's brilliant about it, it's one of those classic kind of sitcom episodes where it's just two characters in one scene. Never cuts to anything else at all. It's just those two. Um, and it's just, I mean, I won't give it away in case you haven't seen it. No spoilers on a 30-year-old programme. But um, it, it's kind of an example of just brilliant writing, brilliant acting. And, uh, yeah, that that really sticks in my memory for, for all sorts of reasons. Um, off the top of my head, I think Rimmerworld. Okay. So when just the the was it Rimmerworld? I I don't know if that's the the name of the episode, but it's the one where for they the other members of Red Dwarf go on a on a fairground ride, and it's all about Rimmer. And the, do you remember that one? I vaguely remember it. I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll post a link on yeah. the Discord to the Rimmerworld song, but it was just so unexpected. No, I like it when they when they throw. When they when they used to throw something unexpected in there just to sort of break it up a bit, yeah. so you know any time that uh, Danny John Jules got to show off his singing and dancing skills, that was always good as well. That was always a treat, wasn't it? Definitely. Um, right, Nick has got another question, which is a tech question, which he says, um, uh, "What item on the next Apple chip based computers is is a must in your mind? So, do we need more USB C or A ports, more RAM?" More cores, etc. So thinking about the M2, M1X, all that stuff. What what are we expecting from it? I think you're less excited about this, Rob, aren't you? In terms of what's coming next. But any thoughts? I yeah. I mean, the the, the M1 is too good. It does everything I need it to do and more. Yeah. So I'm not massively excited about um, the next iteration of the MacBooks. I think I'll be more excited the following year. If, if we start getting things like OLED displays or you know some other meaningful benefit other than raw power that I don't really need yeah. right now, um, yeah. That said, I would like to see more RAM. I think that I think they're going to have to do that, and I think that's what it's going to be. It's going to be more cores, more RAM. Yeah, I agree. I, I think from my perspective, more RAM definitely, and pr- probably more graphics cores. I think because I, I think I mentioned this recently. I'm, I'm starting to push the M1 in the Mac Mini a little bit with the the new footage that I'm working with. Not to the point where it's unworkable, but it would just be nice to have a bit more headroom, I think, really. So um, the, the thing I'm really looking forward to is having a proper MacBook Pro again. That's one thing I, I am increasingly missing at the minute, just not being able to edit anywhere apart from in this room. Um, so, that yeah, that's probably my my wish, I think. But I'm with you. I'm not massively excited about it. It'd be inter- interesting to see what they do next, but, yeah. Right, on to the next question. Oh, did I, did I oh, say God, OLED? Sorry. I meant micro LED. Micro sorry. Oh, you'll be picked up on that, Rob. Uh. <laughs> uh, right, Justin, our friend Justin Cox. 
Um, hey, Justin. Yeah, hello, Justin. He says, uh, can you definitively prove Rob and Mark are two different people? Which is a fair question, because we've never been seen in the same room, have we? That is true. Um, I don't know. I guess we could screenshot this. We could do. Send it to him. I'd rather not, just to keep them guessing. Because <laughs> <laughs> if, if we are the same person, it's a hell of an edit, isn't it? Uh, it's, a, it's a good effort. Hmm. Particularly when we talk over each other. Yeah, which we do quite a lot. <laughs> we'll keep them guessing on that one, Rob. Okay, thanks, Justin. Uh, right, next one is from uh, Martin Kelly, who, if you're on the Discord server, is always the first person to say good morning. I try and beat him most days, and I always, well, nine times out of ten will fail. Um, very nice chap, uh, always very incredibly busy, puts us all to shame in terms of what he gets done in a day. Um, but he asks, uh, will they bring out a 27-inch plus iMac or make it the iMac Pro replacement with an M2 chip? Another one for you to get excited about, Rob. Mm. <laughs> I I think um, it's going to be much bigger than 27 inches. I think it's going to be 32 from what, what they're saying. Um in terms of what chip it's going to have, I don't know. I think like I wrote in my article earlier this week, I, because it's, I don't get the difference between the M1 and the M1, M1X and the M2 and how that fits into the plans going forward. I think there's going to be some confusion if, for example, they put the M1X into this great big new I, iMac um, Pro or not, and then but they then put the M2 into the new MacBook Air next year. I think from a consumer point of view, <clears throat> no matter how much sense that makes from a technical point of view, I think it'll be very confusing, but um, yeah, I think there's going to be a big, a big one, 32 inch probably. Um, I'm quite excited by that. I don't think we'll see it this year. I think it's going to be early next year, personally. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think the, uh, I think the iMac Pro was a stopgap because the Mac Pro wasn't ready. Yeah, it was uh, like, what have we got knocking around that we? Because because people were getting grumpy, weren't they? Because they hadn't updated the Mac Pro, the trash can Mac Pro. For, for like five years or so when the iMac Pro was announced. So they're like, well, look, we've got this chassis knocking around. Let's whack a Z on in it, make it grey, and we'll call it the iMac Pro and people will pay £5,000 for it. And that'll do for now until the Mac Pro is ready. So I think it was a stopgap. I don't know whether they would re- revive that brand, um, but I think i i'm sure they were really hesitant about blurring the lines between the prosumer imac and the pro pro mac pro yeah. i was saying that the new mac pro is too pro for most people isn't it oh massively yes so maybe there is still a gap where you could you know you want you you want an imac but you want a bit more yeah maybe they'll do something but possibly I, who knows it's impossible to tell, isn't it? Who knows these days? Uh, thank you for that, Martin. Next one, it's Justin again. Um, I assume it's Justin Cox, but he hasn't put his second name. We'll, we'll assume it is. I don't think there's any, any other Justins on the Discord server. Um, and he's put, uh, why do Electron apps suck? Takes us right back to the start of this conversation, doesn't it? So if you rewind yeah, I wish and I listen knew. to Rob. I, I mean, I just, uh, yeah, we, we covered this in, in quite some some depth, but they really do. I mean, I, I might use this opportunity to uh, to bring up Flotato, Flotato, Flotato and uh, Unity, which is available on Setup. And these are two apps that effectively do the same thing as Electron, i.e. they will wrap a web service in a, a pseudo-native desktop, but it will use WebKit rather than Chromium. And so you still have a certain degree of, you know, overhead because you're packaging, uh, you know, a browser in. But what's really good on, on an M1 Mac, where you take something like, uh, or you could take any website, but particularly if you took something like Discord or Notion or uh, whatever, you you can use these tools. Then they make it's, it's, it's not a new thing. This has been around for ages. So Mozilla had a tool called Prism about ten years ago, but never really took off. Um, but it's called a site-specific browser. So essentially you can create a completely sandboxed, isolated instance of a website in something that looks and feels like an app. So you, it, you get an icon, it can go in your dock. When you go through the app switcher, your you know, command tab, it'll appear there. If uh, you get notifications, it'll update the notifications on the dock. Um, and so it just sort of makes a website feel more mac native and most importantly it's using the webkit rendering engine which is 
as far as I'm concerned, currently, as of the last time I tested it, just streets ahead of anything else in terms of just the, the speed. Assuming it's compatible, you've got some things, something like Salesforce doesn't play very nicely with Safari or, 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 the, or WebKit, does it? So you've got to fire up um, something else. And if you are going to fire up a Chromium-based browser, it should be Edge. I'm really loving Edge at the moment. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree. Yeah, Edge is fantastic. I've not used it on the Mac yet, but it's it's brilliant on on Windows, as you expect, I suppose. But yeah, I I, I can't quite believe I'm saying that, but yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think Edge is better than Chrome. Well, I, I did say earlier that a Microsoft laptop had the best keyboard experience I've ever had. So you can that's think, true. Yeah, yeah, what's I, happening? What's I've going no on? Idea. Absolutely no idea. Right, moving on. Uh, last question is from Craig. So Craig MC nineteen seventy, who was mentioned earlier on this podcast. Hello, Craig. Um, where do babies come from? Oh, classic, classic. Um, not really the topic of this podcast, really, is it? It's not. A, I haven't really gone down that review route yet, um, and probably won't, just for the sake of my audience. Um, I have no idea where they come from. I mean, I I do because I've got one, and there's another one on the way, but. Um, <laughs> I don't know that it's within the uh, the remit of this podcast. It's probably not. No, I know. Where, I know where dogs come from. If that helps, and I, and I, from what I understand, it's a lot easier to get a dog than it is to to get a baby or to have a baby. Um, but yeah, I think if if Craig needs some advice on this, we're probably the wrong the wrong people. I've lost the audio as well. Yeah, I think the internet connection, that was a saved by the bell at that point, really, wasn't it? Um, it's probably telling us to, to wrap up, I think, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I wish I wish I had a highly witty, amusing answer to the to that question, but yeah. I don't. I don't think we have, have we? But thanks <laughs> for the questions, guys. We'll, we'll do this again, and we, we might open it up to Twitter as well, because, um, yeah, that's always a good bit of fun. That's really asking for trouble, isn't it? it yeah, big time. Big time. You think Craig's was bad? Wait, wait for wait for the Twitterati. Um, cheers, Rob. I'm going to go and uh, try out Sensible World of what's it, what's it called? Not SWAS. It's called something else. It's called Sociable Soccer. Sociable Soccer. I'm going to go and lose mm. the rest of my forties to that. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> cheers. See ya. <laughs>